Hello, hello, hello. It is, I think, week seven of our podcast in this global pandemic time. And I, Barbara McKay, am here with my good friend, colleague, and I don't know, so many other words I could use to describe Rangane Azimzade Tosang, but uh, hello, Rangane. Hello, Barb. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to uh, episode seven of our podcast series. Right. So this is how we do our podcast. We, uh, we basically just get together once a week and we talk about everything that's gone on and we talk about classes we've been to and, and virtual happy hours and conversations and news bits. And then we go, Hmm, I wonder what we should talk about given this is <laughs> where we actually feel and what's the, whatever is coming up for us. And that's why we call it the rogue podcast because basically we just are sharing with you what's real for us in this moment in time. We are literally musing out loud with all of you. Yeah. So today we thought we'd muse out loud um, on something that we thought we might do last week because I had taken a class with ICA USA. ICA is an Institute of Cultural Affairs and Rangane and I are both trained as facilitators in many of the methodologies developed um, globally and developed and used globally. And we have, we have colleagues all over the world that use these methods. And they, I would, for myself at least, they're my go-to methods. And Rangane, um, how would you say they have impacted you? I think that they're, uh, they, they are definitely my go-to methods as well. I think that there is just a really beautiful way that they balance um, both process and uh, engagement in a way that I haven't quite seen in many other places. So they are a really supportive, effective Tool, they offer very supportive, effective tools for facilitation. Yeah, and underneath all of the tools is this very, very deep philosophy and foundational work that comes from getting thousands of people together in the 1970s to think about things on a societal level. So we do actually want to talk about society today and some, some changes that we, we've talked about reimagining. We really want our society to change. And so we started talking about this, this concept of image shift, which is a course that has been taught by ICA, you know, for decades. And a couple of my colleagues from Chicago um, did a version of it, thinking about how do we make the shift of being a face-to-face facilitator to a virtual facilitator and many other things as well. And it got me thinking about that. But then we, Rekinay and I got talking and we, we went way <laughs> Not way beyond that, but we might come back to that practical, how do you shift from face-to-face to virtual? But now I'm fiddling with my coddler because I'm getting nervous about what, <laughs> what to say. <laughs> so Barb is offered to give us a kind of a really broad strokes overview of the um, seven phases of image shifting that came out of the ICA Canada um, We were talking about some different iterations of image shift work that we've both seen and she popped this image over to me and it, and I looked at it and I thought, this is it, Barb. We need to talk about this today. It feels like the COVID-19 map for change when I look at this in terms of the stages, um, in terms of the guidance that it's offering us and the direction that, it, that it's um, uh, offering us that we could actually go in. So she's going to offer a little bit about that. And then we have some some questions for today at the more tangible level in relationship to facilitation and how do we shift the image of ourselves as facilitators from the virtual to the, or I'm sorry, from the in-person to the virtual worlds and then sort of higher level questions around what internal shifts might look like when externally expressed in this moment as we reimagine a new world. 
So mm. that's what we have in store for you all today. Yeah, who knows if we can get it all done between 15 and 26 minutes. <laughs> to be our, our, um, <clears throat> our average. Vacillate back and forth between short and long. So the seven images, phases of image shifting, this does not come from me at all, but it comes from ICA Canada, a course that they... I first took maybe in in the 1990s and it's called the power of image change. And they talk about the situation. So there's a, there's number, number one is the situation. Well, in our case, the situation that's on everyone's mind, obviously is COVID-19. And we have a right moment, a teachable moment right now to reimagine things in where inequities have become glaringly obvious to us as different people different populations are disproportion- disproportionately, is that the right word? Disproportionately. Disproportionately, disproportionately <laughs> uh, affected. And so we have a teachable moment. And then the second image uh, phase uh, of image shift phase is called the message intrudes. And it pierces us to the core of our awareness. I, and Rangane is like stretching her hands out in front of her. We're on so a, good. We're, we're looking at each other on a Zoom video call. So the message comes in and it touches us deeply. And I am going to give you just a very short example of where I had, um, well, let me, the phase two is called the old image. And so I'll give you an example of how, when we're talking about image shift, we're talking about you have an image inside of you. Society has an image of itself. A particular culture has an image of itself. A country has an image of itself. A healthcare system has an image of itself. And you hold on to this old image quite tightly often. And then a new message comes in and that message just shatters that old image. You can't hold on to that image anymore. And so a very quick example is I'm in a meeting, a Zoom meeting. <laughs> ah, sometimes I'm just going to hate Zoom for the rest of my life because of this message. But anyway, the Zoom. I was in a meeting and a colleague who's known me for probably 15 years, writes to me separately on an email. Barb, as soon as I saw you on Zoom, I thought to myself, you look terrible. (laughs) And I thought, really? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, I think you should follow that, that, you know, our colleague's spouse's advice. He's a doctor, you know, you know, check in with the nurse right away, make sure you don't have COVID-19. And uh, I had sort of not been feeling well, as I expressed last week, and still not feeling that great. But I tell you that I had thought I was doing okay and it wasn't bad, but that message just intruded and I started getting panicky and literally came down with a migraine yesterday, <laughs> waiting for the nurse to call me back and tell me, you know, yes, get the test or whatever. So that's an image where I thought, you know, I was, I was handling, if I was sick, it probably wasn't COVID-19. I probably was reacting to something, new supplements or whatever, and but that message intruded. And um, it, it changed my behavior. And that's what we're talking about. Can we change in this global time? Can we change an image with a new set of messages so that we change our behaviors to something that's more equitable, more just, more sustainable, et cetera? So the third phase is to, we're driven to check our ethical posture. Now that's a very big phrase. Um, we're sort of thinking, oh, there's more going on here. Hmm, is there any value to this message that's coming through? And mm-hmm. I had to think about, you know, this colleague wasn't doing it um, to scare me. She was just, she was very, very concerned about there's something she saw in the way I was that said, you're not okay, Barb, get it checked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the so we, we, we acknowledge in this third piece that life is a struggle. 
it's a journey of new beginnings. Life has limits, but it also has possibility. And then when we come to the fourth phase, we go through that struggle. And if you know theory U, and I'm using my hands now to create the shape of a U. And at the bottom of the U, and this is Otto Scharmer's framework, um, that's in our generosity library. Also the life dynamic images of the ICA is in the Art Facilitator Generosity Library. But you go through the struggle, you sit there, and you uh, have to decide whether that message, uh, the next thing is, are you going to say yes to a change or are you going to say no to a change? But for a while there, you're having this intellectual, emotional pain, which is what I experienced when I got that, that message. So before I share the last three, I, actually, I'm going to pass it over to Rangane to share. She's just seen this diagram. Um, what, why don't you share the, the next three and your own interpretation of it? So when I was looking at this, I, I quite literally just felt so taken back. It really feels like this beautiful guide to where we are. And the first four phases feel like they've, they sort of have encompassed the last eight weeks for those of us who are coming into the middle of week eight of the shelter in place order. Mm -hmm. And so kind of perfectly timed to think about the next um, the next few phases and what that is offering ahead of us. So we have been thinking about so much of the being in this moment, and now perhaps we're getting ready to start thinking about what learning can help us bridge the being to the doing. So what have we learned in the last eight weeks in these times of reflection that can help inform what we do going forward? And so just before you go there, I just want to say in North America, it's about eight or nine weeks, but in parts, other parts of the world, it's been more like three to four months. So right. just to kind of acknowledge that we're at, so where, wherever you are in the world, you're probably slightly ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We're kind of behind in the U.S. and in Canada in terms of our, our lag time. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that actually offers extended learning for us as well here in the U.S. of, you know, what can we be learning from folks who are on phase five or six or, you know, maybe even seven of this of this particular roadmap? Um, and how can we integrate that learning into the way that we go forward together here? So stage five is the yes to change, but they offer they offer you a possibility of saying no to change. And I think that we're kind of at this like pivotal moment of determining whether we're or whether or not we're going to change going forward. So there is something about accepting the truth of the message and then making the decision, who are we going to be? And are we going to be someone different? Who do we need to be in order to be different? And if we say no to the change, then we quote unquote, go back, which many people have already acknowledged is not a possibility. So then what does the yes to change look like? How do we change the operating self-image of our society, of us as individuals, and of, and of us as a collective? And then phase six is taking on that new image. So when we take on that image, what does that actually look like? What's the visible transformation? What is different about the way that we show up every day with our families, in our workspaces, in our communities? And then what's the behavioral change that supports that new image, that supports that visible transformation? So it's, a, it's some big picture thinking, and I think it's a pretty tall order. 
um, and a big call. And, and Barb actually had said that before we started recording. She said, this is a, this is a big, a big call. And I, and I totally agree. Um, and what better time to have a big call emerge than in a global pandemic in a way that we've never seen. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at some of the handwritten notes on the chart too. And as we're moving up to stage six, where you're changing the operating self-image. And if we want to do this at a global level, um, it needs constant reinforcement, um, lots of tactics to keep up the new behavior, um, images that remind you that you cannot fall back. And I, I, you know, I think it'd be worth asking as we're facilitating our groups, you know, what are the new, new behaviors, the new images, the new tactics that we have to put in place to continually reinforce this new um, operating image. Mm -hmm. And see a visible transformation. So that's stage seven. You get the behavioral change and you see a visible transformation. And if we did that, as we talked in earlier sessions, we'd have a reimagined world. We'd have one where everyone could be empathetic to um, the disparities and equities Everyone would be trying to work to keep our planet alive. Everyone would be working to keep um, all of the islands from sinking underneath the sea and from all of the populations um, dying disproportionately to the data that's now coming in. And we can't, we can't deny it. And I can't, as a white person living in the U.S., I cannot deny the health disparity information anymore, mm. even if I wanted to, which I don't. Thanks, Barb. I just want to I just want to quickly add an, an additional note to this kind of pivotal fork in the road, if you will, of like a get, saying a no to change versus saying yes to a change. And what's really interesting to me about the no to change is that it's not a no to change ever, right? It's a no to change right now. And what we have watched in terms of like our history is that the opportunity to change will come about again. And it will represent itself again. If we say no to it now, we are guaranteed to get another quote unquote opportunity to change down the road. Um, the, the context of that, perhaps uh, more severe, who knows, than what, we've, what we're seeing now. But for those of you who may remember, we had an opportunity. We've had several opportunities. And again, I'll keep this in the context of the United States, knowing that other countries have probably had their own uh, similarly situated opportunities. Um, in the mid eighties, we had the, uh, HIV, uh, epidemic that kind of imploded here. Um, 17 years later, we had, we saw the emergence of SARS that impacted 26 different countries. And 18 years later, we now have COVID-19. So this opportunity, and, and just so you all know, these are all, those were all related, uh, the, the, the viruses that were attached to each of those scenarios were all, um, they all originated in animals. So there is an interesting sort of connection between those, but, but they all represented opportunities for change. And I'm not sure that we really saw those changes happen. So now here we are yet again with this opportunity. And I think we get to decide whether or not we want to be different and how that will look. Mm. Yeah. I love that you saw that. And, um, I want to ask you, um, <laughs> this is the big question. Now I get, this week I get to ask you it and you <laughs> struggle with an answer. So, so what's the, what's the big shift that we're calling, being called to make, Rangane? I'm going to give a really, um, 
<laughs> like a high level answer that's not grounded in intangible uh, example, unfortunately, but I'll do my best. I think that the, that the call that we're being, that the shift that we're being called to make right now is thinking about how we move from the me to the we. And we live in an individualistic society. We've had lots of folks who are experts on, on um, culture and learning about how cultures operate. The United States is very much an individualistic society. Uh, and so thinking about how do we move from that to the collective and not just within the small sense of the word of like, how do I think about my immediate community, but how do I think about the global community? How do we move from the me to the global we? Because we are all in this together. And there was, um, there was the UN uh, from the United Nations, the, um, one of the, the prominent speakers who's been talking uh, about this global pandemic has said, you know, no one's safe until we're all safe. So there is this way that we're actually being kind of literally guided to thinking about this global collective and, and whether or not we can, um, you know, kind of going back to the seven phases, like, can we really accept the truth of this message? And if we can, what does that look like when we think about the collective we? How do we center wholeness? And when I say center wholeness, I mean, how do we think about everybody, not just our immediate, who's immediately in front of us? And that translates into what, what are the changes that we need to make to the existing structures and systems? What might be the new structures and systems that we need altogether? Maybe this is beyond changing what we have. Maybe this is about reimagining, as we talked about, something completely new and different that's founded on a framework of love and inclusiveness and not a foundation of fear. Hmm. Wow, I so many thoughts come up to me, and I'll just kind of gently remind you, as someone um, who is a little bit more U.S. based than I am, um, having spent most of my life in Canada, where we had more of a socialistic system and less of an individualist, individualistic society, although deeply influenced by by the U.S. Obviously, so just just we have that so, just we have so many examples around the world that are not individualistic societies, and we have so much to learn from them, and that's part of the whole as well. That that data gathering stage, and I'm so grateful that countries are sharing their information. And this doctor friend of ours said that you know doctors around the world are working on different different iterations of a vaccine, and so that collective knowledge shared could provide something you know, very, very effective and efficient for those, um, you know, who, I know there's a lot of controversy in North America about vaccines or not, especially with many of my, the younger generation, including um, some younger generation that are very close to me, <laughs> do not want to take the vaccine. And so like, what, what does that mean? What the message that they're getting around vaccines is that vaccines are actually um, destroying our immune systems and um, that they can cause more health damage than. So I, yeah, that, I won't even go down that road. It's, <laughs> that's a different podcast episode. That's, that's a different <laughs> podcast, but it's like, how do we say yes to the change? And as you said earlier, um, the saying the no is, is, would be folly on our part because we just don't have that much time. If this, if this, at this 18 year junction, which is a generation, right? 17, 18 years. If we have a global pandemic this time, we can't even afford to wait till the next 17 or 18 years and see what happens. It, 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 if it's worse than this, then I think we may as well just give up. 
<laughs> well, okay. we'll have to loop back to a place of hopefulness and joy, Barb, because we promised that that's what this podcast oh, is. that's right. Yeah, that's right. I was going to start with this quote by Pema Chodron, which is, which is beautiful. So don't, don't forget. We'll, we'll say that at the end, just so you know that we, you can hear it in our voices, even though we go to, to depths of despair, we still have joy and laughter in, um, in pondering these very, very big questions, which we don't have answers to yet. I just want to add in um, a conversation that I had had uh, last night, in fact, with a friend of mine who is the healthcare administrator from whom I learned the hashtag that I shared last week, the physically distant, socially connected from. And he, he said he's happy to continue to provide us with content for our podcast. So I'm going <laughs> to share this. And, and, and I'm sharing it for both because it's so relevant to, I think, this conversation and many that we've already had, but also because I felt so hopeful I felt so hopeful to hear him talk about um, these conversations that he's having with his uh, with with the hospital staff. And he talked about being in a series of R three meetings, and he said the the three R's represent restore, renew, and reimagine. And so I'm thinking about this in the context of these seven phases of image shifting. And you know, what do we really need? What what needs restoring right now? What needs renewal and what do we need to reimagine in order to have the community and the society and the world that we want to have going forward? So I just wanted to bring that in and thank him. He knows who he is for offering that and providing us with podcast content. Um, <laughs> and perhaps this is a, this is a good moment to, to share that quote of, of a balance, which I think balances both reality and possibility and hope that Barb found. Yeah, yeah. And we may not get to the whole picture of, you know, what what is the behavior or the image shift we have to make as facilitators as we go more online. We'll, we'll get to that another time. We'll come back. We, we've covered enough today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we still need to think about that one. Um, so the Pema Chodron quote, which was offered to me by um, a lovely colleague, um, times are difficult globally. Awakening is no longer a luxury or an ideal. It's becoming critical. We don't need to add more depression, more discouragement, or more anger to what's already there. It's become essential that we learn how to relate sanely with difficult times. The earth seems to be beseeching us to connect with joy and discover our innermost essence. This is the best way that we can benefit others. And that's a, a Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron, C-H-O-D-R-O-N, if you're not familiar with her first name, P-E-M-A. And with that, we close our podcast for the week. Thanks, Barb. Goodbye, Rangane. Um, stay hopeful. Stay joyful. <laughs>